There's a song that was written by Maurice Ravel. It's a song entitled Bolero. It lasts 15 minutes and 50 seconds. When I was a kid, my dad had a recording of that. And I say that because it was on 78 RPM records. And it took five discs for that whole song, front and back. It came in a box. I'd never seen a recording that came in a box before. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine listening to five record albums front and back? The song's constantly being interrupted all the time. It wasn't until later in life that I got to hear it in its complete entirety without any of those interruptions from flipping the discs over. You know, I say that because the Psalms are divided traditionally into five different books. I want you to see this on the screen. Those five books are divided this way. Psalms 1 through 41 in book 1 are called personal psalms. Many of those of David's lament in his life and the things and the circumstances that are going on for him. Books 2 and 3, 42 through 89 are national songs that talk about the nation of Israel and God working with them through many of the things, the trials and the tribulations. And books four and five, Psalms 90 through 150, are what are known as the liturgical psalms, the praise of God psalms. Today, Psalm 90 is one of those liturgical, the praise of God psalms. You know, many of the Psalms, we don't know the author. We know that many of them were written by David, but many others weren't. This Psalm, Psalm 90, we know the author. The author, it tells us at the beginning of the Psalm, is Moses. And the Psalm is what I would call reflective, of Moses looking back on life. But I want to put it in perspective. I want you to think about this. Moses writing this Psalm. Think about who Moses was. Moses, who grew up in the splendor of Egypt, with pyramids and tombs and sphincters and the greatness of Pharaoh of mankind, the wonders of the world or at what man could accomplish. Moses, who saw by the Spirit of God the very visions of the creation of the world as he wrote that book of beginnings for us, Genesis. Moses, who personally witnessed God's intervention and power again and again through the exodus and the journeying of Israel over their time in the wilderness. That's who wrote this psalm. So as you hear these words again, I want you to think about his retrospect of what he knew personally in his life and what he's writing about in this psalm. We're going to look at these verses individually and break them down. Verses 1 and 2. Verse 1, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. The word there is Yahweh, the covenant God, the Redeemer God. From beginning to end, you, Lord, have been our place of refuge. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Think about Moses reflecting on how the Spirit led him to see that creation of the world when God spoke all into being. Before all of it came to being, Moses has said, you are everlasting to everlasting, which means you are eternal, God. You are forever. 
You see, Moses is setting before us in this psalm the place, the power, the grandeur of God, and who it is that deals with us human beings. And so now he's going to move from establishing who God is to our lives in verses 3 through 6. He says this, You turn people back to dust, saying, Return to dust, you mortals. The words of Genesis 3.19 should come to our mind, words that we speak at Ash Wednesday. Dust you are, and to dust you will return. It's the evidence of Adam's curse on all of us. It's comparison of us to the eternal God. Moses goes on to say, a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. Again, emphasizing us versus God, emphasizing that we are finite and that God is eternal. You sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. You know, statistics, if you ever looked at them on death rates, say this, 1.8 people die every second. That's 155,000 people die every day. That word sweep is perfect to describe our lives and how we are gone. Moses says, in the morning that grass springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. And I would think that is an easy picture for all of us in these days to see. I know my own grass gets watered in the morning, and by evening time it's dried out and it's brittle. That's this harshness, the harshness of our life, the harshness that can transform us from being young and springing forward to the end of our lives being dried and worn out. As Moses goes on in verses 7 and 12, he talks to us about the state of Adam's curse in our lives and what that means. If God is eternal as Moses has established in verse 1, and it's as John 1, 4 says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind, then these verses 7 through 12 are the opposite of what it means to have life in God. 7, 8, and 9, Moses says this, We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass under your wrath, and we finish our years in a moment. Words in there like consumed, we are spent terrified in facing disasters in our lives, that there's nothing we can do to escape God's view or judgment on us. And when it's all over and when it's all wrapped up, we finish in a moan, a lament over the life we've lived. He goes on to say, our days may come to 70 years or 80 And if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Now think about that. Think about Moses as he wrote Genesis. Think about the lifespans that he wrote about in the people that God had created 700 years, 800 years, 900 years, 1,000 years. 
And if we make it to 80 or 90, it's amazing. And tell me, if we do make it, how do you feel at 80 or 90? Whoever thought you'd need a regiment of like a leave every morning just to stand up? There's the truth of our lives. Verse 11 and 12, he goes on to say, if only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. See what Moses is saying in all of these verses that describe us as so finite and so fleeting is that we forget this. We forget that it is God who gives us the life that we live. We forget that we are under a curse that will be fulfilled one day. And we forget that we cannot and will not live forever in this mortal body. Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 15, 15 when he says this to us, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. And yet what Moses is saying, yet we think it will and we prove how unwise we are. And if we stop there, if we left it there in that psalm, all it would do is drive us to despair, to look at life, to see how fleeting it is, to see how empty it will become. But Moses doesn't leave us there. Neither does our God. Like Peter said to Jesus, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And that's the answer that Moses is going to put forward in these next verses to us. The answer for us in this life is you, the eternal God. Verses 13 through 15, he writes, Relent, Lord. How long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Yahweh, you are the one in which we find rest. In verse 3, God said to us, return to dust. But here we say to God, relent, turn back to us. Have mercy is what we are crying. That ancient cry in the liturgical words of the church, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. And remember what those words mean. What we're saying is, Lord, we are helpless and we need rescue. And our God does. That's why Moses can go on to say, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Verse 9 said, all our days pass away. But here it is God's mercy to his people, his unfailing love. And if God's love is unfailing, then it is eternal. Then this morning where he says, satisfy us in this morning, will last forever. Versus grass that is here in the morning and gone by the evening. He says, make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. If what we see and experience in this life is perishable and fading, then what we have from God, which is hidden, is forever. Peter says that in his epistle, verses 3 and 4. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. And then finally, Moses wraps it up in verse 16 and 17 when he says, May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. May our words of blessing saying, Lord, do this for us. Our brief and temporary life here by the mercy and the eternal love of God are transformed from futility to celebration. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. We can worry, and we can fret, and we can lament, and we can fear, and we can curse this life. Or we can hear the words that Jesus spoke in our gospel today. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. You see, Moses doesn't leave us in the middle of that psalm in a place of despair and anguish. He leaves us in a place of blessing, of God working through our lives, of God caring for us, of God providing eternal love and blessing on us because we are his people, because we have been baptized into Jesus Christ, because we have that inheritance that will neither fade nor spoil nor ever be gone because of the blessing Christ has given us. I want to close with words from another song. It's by an Irish singer and songwriter by the name of Robin Mark. And the title of it is When All Has Been Said and Done. And he writes this. When it's all been said and done, there is just one thing that matters. Did I do my best to live for truth? Did I live my life for you? When it's all been said and done, all my treasures will mean nothing. Only what I've done for love's rewards stand the test of time. Lord, your mercy is so great that you look beyond our weakness and find purest gold and miry clay, turning sinners into saints. I will always sing your praise here on earth and ever after, for you've showed me heaven's my true home when it's all been said and done. You're my life when life is gone. Will you pray with me? Lord Moses wrote, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Lord, those days by your grace are numbered in your book of life. Numbered not as something that we need to fear, but numbered because of the abundance that you have given us in this life through our Savior, Jesus Christ. May we, as we look at life and 
want to only see despair. May we remember the blessings we have of you, of your presence, of your unfailing love, of your mercy, of the life that you have given us, and of the promise we have that while our mortal bodies will not go with us, we have the blessing of an eternal body that you will raise for us to be with you forever. May your praise ever be on our lips in the darkest times of our lives, in the nights that we go through, that in the morning we may know your splendor and your love once again. We ask this in your name. Amen.